The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Hey, it's Cabinet of Comics. I'm your host, John Clark, and I've opened the Remy Martin, drinking cognac brandy, which, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, I only have on special occasions. And the special occasion is that Elliot Serrano is in the studio with me. How are you, Elliot? I am great. I, uh, just wandering the streets of, you know, wherever we are. And I just uh, saw, oh, look, it's John's house. Let me knock on the door, see if they're home. And you were, and you took in this this wayward soul. I gave you brandy. <laughs> this is, we're starting a tradition now, because we've, uh, now this is the second time this year that you've been in person, um, but the last time we were in person, we had hot buttered rum. Hot buttered rum, that which I am in, now addicted to, yes. Yeah, it's good. Because it's all butter and sugar Butters and then alcohol on it. And some cinnamon. And I, I didn't even put vanilla in my last batch, so I need to put vanilla in my next batch. Yeah. Uh, and you can play with that. That's another thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm putting nutmeg in this one. I'm putting yeah. cinnamon. Just like, it's you're basically making a cookie. But you're drinking it, and then you're, and then there's booze in it. Ugh, it's so like what's there's nothing wrong in that co- concoction. Really, for an alcoholic with a sweet tooth, it's really it's it's perfect. Yeah, and today I was out of <laughs> beer, so I was like, you know what, it's it's a brandy kind of week. But yeah. I've I've never had brandy before. And you're introducing me to this I, and, and I didn't sipping have it, until it. I was forty. Yeah, and I know you have this nice little snifter here with the brandy. I'm supposed to swirl it around. Yeah, we found these for like a dollar, but they're not easy to find. I tell I tell you this about uh, brandy. When uh, I was on the cruise with Bill, first time I was on the Joko cruise with Bill was 2017. So he had never had it either. And when you're on a cruise, they give you a a drinking pass. It's the most dangerous thing you get on a cruise. Because first of all, you get on a boat and you're like, I'm going to spend seven days on this boat. And maybe in the afternoon I'll get off the boat and walk around, but I probably won't. <laughs> uh, but the other thing they give you is they give you like a lanyard that just has your room number on it. And they go, go and drink. And, and the, the lanyard is so people know where you need to go home. No, <laughs> the lanyard is tied to your, t- your, your ticket. So when you get off the boat, they go, and this is how much we charge you for drinking for a week. Oh, goodness. So uh, the first time, I, I don't remember the second time because the pandemic was happening. We had other things on our minds. But the first time I was like, I, I remember seeing my bill and it was $300 and went, that's not that bad. I was going to say 300 for a week. That's not bad at that's all. That's not bad. That is not bad. For that kind of week. Yeah. So, and, but one of those nights, um, Bill had never had brandy. So I was like, okay, let's go to a bar. There, there's, there's five bars on every deck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like 10 forward every three feet. So uh, we got two glasses and we sat for, you know, an hour or two. We had a great discussion. And then the next time we went, 2020, was when the pandemic happened. Uh, he, one night he said, well, we have to have our traditional brandy. I said, this is only the second time we've been on the cruise. <laughs> and we did it once on the other cruise. He goes, yes, the second time makes it a tradition. I got to I will agree. And sadly, it, agree. Was, it was yeah. the last time, but it was a tradition. And that's why I continue the tr- tradition with people that are worth sitting and talking to for a long time. 
So then why are you doing this with me? Is my uh, Because I'm changing the name of this <laughs> podcast to Brandonated Comics. <laughs> Except it sounds like a marketing thing, so we're still we're still workshopping. <laughs> but we're a little topicless. I feel like we haven't done this in a long time. In the early days of this podcast, when we were less gray, uh, some weeks Stephen would come over and I'd be like, "What are we going to talk about? I don't know. What's going on? I don't know." Well, I mean, there's not a lot going on in comics per se. I mean, if you want to talk about the major controversy going on right now in entertainment is um the the lawsuit against vince mcmahon and the wwe where some serious this this i don't know about i could tell you i could spend this podcast telling you so much about what happened at the nam show last week (laughs) and what fender's doing (laughs) (laughs) um how they're competing with gibson this year it's the toy fair of music i don't i know nothing about wrestling right all the guys in wrestling look bigger than me and they didn't have really good dialogue. <laughs> no, well, yeah, they're not not as good. No, but it's but it's funny because there is a little bit of a crossover between the two markets, between pro wrestling and um, comics. And oh uh, yeah, I'd, but, I'd say half of my uh, hardcore comic friends are also wrestling fans. Yeah, and I think because they like they like to see big muscled guys in bright colors hit each other a lot. Yeah, that's not homoerotic at all. No, and and I realize it's taken me a long time to get to this point, but I realize. I'm only in it for the angst. <laughs> like, I want my superheroes to be staring down on the street from a corner of a building with their head in their hand or their cape blowing in front of them. Okay, then you'd be a Cody Rhodes fan. Yeah, that would be you. <laughs> you'd be up, up for that. But it, it but uh, there's a tremendous thing. Uh, Vince McMahon, after they made this big now, for announcement. for people like me, Vince McMahon is, woo! No, that's, that's, that's Ric Flair. Oh, Flair is woo. Okay. Woo. Vince McMahon is was the is the founder and was for the longest time the CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment. WWE. WWE split off from WWF. Well, no, it was WWF, but then they had to change the name of it because of the World Wildlife Federation. World Wildlife Federation oh. being WWF. Oh, I always thought Vince McMahon left the WWF and started his own thing like the X Games. No, yeah, no, that was XFL. That he did, he started his own football league, which actually now um, the Rock bought and is is been merged with the United States Football League. Is now the UFL. I used but to I, trust the Rock until I found out all of the decisions in Black Adam were made by the Rock. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There was an article that said like it didn't fit with the rest of DC because the Rock is like this is a Rock movie and this is what we do in a Rock yeah, movie. Yeah, and, it's, and it's, like, it's like yeah, it's a horrible movie. But it's weird because the Rock. Well, Dwayne Johnson has this cachet right now that he's like this big, like the biggest Hollywood star. He's like the biggest name and so on. And like, okay, I'm going to give him his credit. Yeah, he is a big name. He does a lot of producing. You know, let's he produced Ballers for HBO, Mm -hmm. um, The Rock, Young Rock for NBC. You know, the guy is oddly he 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 produced the young Sheldon, but about himself, (laughs) pretty much. And it did well. And and the dude's like a a multimillionaire, not because of his acting or whatever, but because of his production. Because of his business sense, which is just like Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon was a wrestler, right? And then he he had the persona of like the yuppie wrestler, but he did take a lot of the reins of the business. You're thinking about his son, actually. But yes, I get it. And McMahon? (laughs) 
Shane. But anyway, yes. I don't want to lose folks in this whole thing. But let's just I'll, let me strip it down for folks who are already like losing interest in this conversation here. The the founder of WWF, now WWE, who had already several allegations and lawsuits out there about him dealing with things like sexual harassment and 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 some really bad things. Finally, after the WWE was sold to TKO, a massive media conglomerate that deals mostly with um, UFC, MMA, and then combining pro wrestling, because now there's a lot of crossover between wrestling and MMA. Yeah, because MMA kind of took that wrestling turn in, ter- in terms of branding. Branding, it became about the, the showmanship. Color, the showmanship. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the, like the, the design of the ring uh-huh. to be appealing on television. Yep, yep. So um, we're talking... Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, they just signed. They signed the deal with Netflix under TKO for uh, was it uh, six billion or five billion? So it's a five hundred million for the next five years, something like that. Okay. And but anyway, so this the WWE is turned into this huge, you know, media thing, and making not millions but billions of dollars. And Vince McMahon was legit a billionaire. Uh, stops paying um, some woman who apparently did some really terrible things with because she had she was formerly employed by WWE. There was a lot of this talk going around that the female employees at WWE would get their share of harassment in some areas, and um, because she was going really to- being surrounded by roided guys twenty four seven. Well, in a way, apparently they some of them wouldn't take no for an answer. Pretty much, um, and add to that that the president, you know, the guy of the the company, was forcing the some women to do certain things. And when um, she wanted to sue, and they settled, he's can you believe this? The guy's a billionaire. He made her sign an NDA, settled out of court for an NDA, owed her five million dollars, right? Over how many years? Paid her one million and then stopped making any payments afterwards. I do believe that because I've lived through eight fucking years of Trump. <laughs> there you go. Like suddenly they don't have the who money, has to pay right? eighty three million dollars. Right, right. Well, so then she's suing him for breach of contract, and because the there's a breach of contract, the NDA no longer applies, and all these horrific things that were going oh, on so like came a out. Bill Cosby avalanche yeah. kind of thing. Yep, a sixty three page. Uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, the uh, t- t- testimonies or whatever affidavit, affidavit, and the stuff that's in it is like horrific. We're talking sexual abuse, um, sexual assault, sex trafficking. Uh, some of the uh, some uh, there's a particular rest- Marv Albert type st- stuff. Worse, in worse. Oh. Um, even one there is one wrestler. I'm not going to get into names for what later, but one wrestler who is very big. Um, you would think is going to be at the upcoming pay-per-views is not now because he's named in this particular um, lawsuit. So, and, and, and after this whole thing, we're talking McMahon appeared at the New York stock exchange with the rock who was ringing that bell, you know, for the opening of stock exchange to celebrate this big deal that WWE just had. Well, this whole thing comes out. The dude is gone. They, after they, he's, he's off the board. He has been, he is now persona non grata. They're talking, WWE is doing everything they can do to distance themselves now from yeah, this brand. This is like, um, and this could be a total non sequitur, so we can hold it and go back to it. I just watched the We Are the World documentary on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is great. And it's like Lionel Richie's perspective of like exactly how they kept all of those people 
in that room because a lot of those people didn't get along. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite story in that in that documentary is Stevie Wonder said, "You know, we uh, we should all sing in Swahili because uh, we're raising money for Ethiopia." And Wailing Jones went, "Ah, oh, hell!" and walked out <laughs> like Tommy Lee Jones in any dinner. <laughs> But every time they cut to Michael Jackson, who was so integral a part of that, mm-hmm. I just I just went, yeah, I can't. I can't. It's like Bill Cosby, Louis C.K., Michael Jackson, guys I love that I'm like, I can't ever go back. Yeah. And it's like, as you say, this guy shall remain nameless. Is It seems like one of those. Going to be one of those. And the same, there are a lot of folks in the wrestling fandom now. There are other wrestling podcasts where the hosts are talking about they really struggle. They're struggling with their own fandom now because... Vince McMahon was so integral in it. And I was going to myself. You know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like Chuck Dixon, who's been on the oh, show several times. Oh my God. Was a friend of the show who yeah. uh, was my writing hero when I was getting into comics. Same. I loved his run of Same. detective. I had, I look, I have nothing personal to say against Chuck Dixon. He has come on the show and he has talked to me for hours and has been a wonderful, wonderful guy. But the stuff he posts online is so alt-right that I'm like, yeah, I can't. I uh, at, to go back to a Tommy Lee Jones reference. I cannot sanction that buffoonery. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I'm not, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ban Chuck Dixon. I'm not gonna say ah, screw Chuck Dixon. Right, but right. it's like every time I hear something, I'm just like, ah, it's it's like your uncle. It's like your crazy uncle Thanksgiving. Well, you saw the whole thing, yeah. Tom Taylor, you know, yeah. Even they, taking the high road with Chuck Dixon, even though. You know, Chuck Dixon was sent, you know, retweeting well, some bogus. And what thing. happened with that? That actually happened this week. Was, yeah. Was that um, Chuck Dixon reposted a panel that was reworded? That was yes. It was it was of Superboy and Nightwing, and it was reworded to be all about like I'm Nightwing saying I'm so hot, of course I'm gay. I must or I'm, I must be bi. Yeah, I must at least be by. And Chuck Dixon reposted that, and Dean Cain liked it. And Mm -hmm. it it didn't get better from there. But Tom Taylor, you're right, Tom Taylor, who's a very, very class act, uh, posted the correct one. This is what actually happened. Yeah, that was my comic. Here's what it was. And you are an inspiration to me. The reason I write Nightwing is because of your run with Scott McDaniel. And that's all he said. And it's like, why can't why can't we do that all the time? Like that was that was the high road. I actually saw Mark Wade retweet it. Yeah. And Mark Wade's reaction was like, Tom Taylor is a class act. And yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, like all things Mark Wade, I agree with Mark Wade. Well, Mark Wade, I mean, he's on the side of the angels. And then for the most part, most. I go back to his world's finest. I only read that first issue and I really enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, but it, it's just funny because. Then, then Chuck Dixon, who I also have had positive interactions with, yeah. who I met years ago at uh, Wizard, I think it was Wizard World. He signed my hardcover copy of of Devil's Advocate. I if, love that book. If you read Devil's Advocate, you would not think that he was a hardline right winger, you know, because it's so balanced. I I actually asked Chuck Dixon on the show, and you can go back and listen mm-hmm. to that one. Um, the first time I talked to Chuck Dixon, and I actually asked him. Hey, how did you get along with Denny O'Neill, who was so far left? You know, like wrote for left-leaning newspapers before he got into comics. Made Green Lantern, Green Arrow, for God's sake. Speedy is a junkie. What have you done for the brown people? You know, um, how did you guys work out? He goes, we didn't talk about politics. We talked about Batman. And I'm like, yeah, that's what adults do. Not anymore. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, Chuck Dixon, 
I'm not going to speak for him or think like him. There is this perception. I'm not even going to speak against him. Yeah, there's this. He uh, there is a perception that he's put out there. I mean, he said that he's kind of like he's been black uh, blacklisted. Like he can't get work in comics anymore because of his political leanings, which I want to call kind of malarkey. I don't know. Extent. Like he and Graham Nolan did do a twelve issue Bane series. Yeah, and- that was a whole year while Tom King was writing Bane in Batman, and we talked about that on the podcast. It was like he gets some work, and like you know, to call a spade a spade. Old guys don't get a lot of work in comics. They don't. It's true. They don't. You, you and I have had this conversation off the podcast. It might be on one of the episodes. But you and I are now in our 50s. You and I have written some comics and mm-hmm. that have, are published. You can, if you have a deep enough, if you go to Mile High, because <laughs> they have every comic. And get Mile High. <laughs> yeah. Um, once, once the lack of oxygen hits you, you are. Uh, you can find comics that you and I have written and we have both had conversations about like, hey, if we had stayed in comics at this age, we'd be worried about what we're going to do. That is something that happens. Maybe it shouldn't. It would be great if it didn't. Comics are built, you know, and this is, uh, uh, um, I mean, this this is what the, it's almost a truism to say this. It's like saying you like the Beatles. Uh Comics are built to appeal from 10 to 12-year-olds, so the opinions of 65-year-olds are not valued as much in the comic industry. For that, for a particular market, correct. Right. Yeah. Well, for mainstream superheroes, which are supposed to be aimed towards prepubescent, you, you, I say this all the time, you are supposed to get out of superheroes when you discover girls. But uh, Gen X ruined it for everything. And this is the only time I will say Gen X ruined it and not the boomers. Because the boomers left comics behind. <laughs> and the, us Gen Xers went, have you read what Frank Miller is doing to Batman? And then we just stayed in it. We keep going, yeah. Alan yep. Moore was just like, I changed the names of the question and the Blue Beetle. And we're like, it's the greatest work of art of all time. And now we're 52 and recording a podcast while drinking goddamn cognac. <laughs> wow. We you, are. You put a button on that. You know what? If they didn't redo a new series of Frasier, you and I should do, you and I should be pitching. It's a mashup of the big bang theory and Frasier. <laughs> it's middle-aged guys that love comics. That's what this podcast is now. Middle, middle-aged guys. That's the big bang Frasier, big... which yes, sounds like porn and I'm leaning into it. <laughs> Cause you know what? I'm on season eight of the original series and there has not been a single episode where I have not thought that Roz Doyle is incredibly hot. Oh, she's still hot. Oh yeah, she yeah. showed up on Frasier. She yeah, looked she's amazing. Still, she's still great. Um, well, before we get too far into that, we were talking about wrestling. Wrestling, but no, but again, but the the whole thing. I, but uh, to finish my thought about Chuck Dixon, which you've yeah. also kind of did, and I don't want to speak against him. I've had my interactions with him in person, which were always great. I had some interactions with him on his Facebook page, and yes, at one point, both him and Graham Nolan blocked me from their pages because they said some stuff, and all I said was. This is disappointing. That's all I said. Oh. And then, see, I look at them and I don't comment, and they're both no. still my friends on Facebook. Yeah, no. And I was that that would hurt. That would actually hurt because Graham Nolan is still still a big fan of his. I'm, I'm a bit, and he, Graham Nolan's yeah. living his best life. If yeah. you look at his Facebook, like he's got three girls. They're all out of the house. Yeah. All he posts is like him outside with a cigar. Yeah. He's doing like he he's been married to the same woman for like thirty five years. These are these are, in my opinion, these are good guys. And I hate that politics has got us to a, a level. Yes. 
that we can't associate with people that have different politics because you have to be completely extremist. You know, this reminds me in high school. When I was in high school, I was in speech and debate, and I was the guy, you know, doing talk radio and Monty Python in speech, and all of my friends, who, by the way, still my friends, several have been on this show, were like Reaganites doing debate. And we would make fun of each other, but like we moved on. And I and I will say that the most Reaganite person despises Trump. I was going to say, the, the, the current GOP, uh, I do not want to turn this into a political podcast. So anyway, but the current GOP doesn't get Reagan. They, Reagan's the patron saint of the Republican Party. But the anything that I mean, Reagan gave amnesty to how many millions of immigrants? Um, yeah, Reagan bro- broke the air traffic controllers union and and of course started the trickle down economics that have us in this this economic spiral that we're in right now. But right, and privatized so many industries that so many are supposed to help people that yeah, don't anymore. that don't now. Uh, but still, there are so many things that 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 Reagan talked about that if a current uh, GOP candidate tried saying it, even quoting Reagan word for word, they tossed them out of the party. In any like case, Liz Cheney. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I feel like the only uh, and this will be the last thing uh, because I want the last word. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like the only thing they got from Reagan was uh, was put a lot of Hollywood in there. Because we don't have the personality to connect to people. So get a figurehead who knows who knows how celebrity works. And it was like, let's get it let's get an actor who was never rose above B level, uh, that got his way into politics. Let's put him out in front. And then that devolved into let's get a re- let's get a, a a judge on a game show. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh but anyway. We were but then we were talking about fandom. Yes. Right. And my and an original point where I was trying to come up with a parallel in my own head between what's happening in the WWE and Vince McMahon pretty much being finally completely outed for being a sexual predator and an all-around horrible human being. I was like, what would I do if it came out at some point that George Lucas was a pedophile? I feel like that's a different story because... Um, George Lucas is not involved in the day to day. Yeah, but see, people. I mean, yeah, he's the creator, but uh, George Lucas is like Graham Nolan. He's living his best life. He tried to build a museum here. They wouldn't let it. You screamed on this podcast about it five years ago. <laughs> We've got that. But, <laughs> but you know, he's just trying to like enjoy his life. Like, you know, he's been he's been watching the Star Wars movies and the new Indiana Jones and keeping shit to himself. True, but then people would be saying, well, he's still making money off these things. Like like when people talk No, he's to, not. He sold it to Disney. I I I get that, but there will be folks who will say that by in by enjoying those things, you will be endorsing him as and and if he's a horrible human being, things that he did in his personal life, you can no longer endorse or purchase his um his, his whatever his IP is because that's going to benefit him ultimately. Much like um, if you're a Harry Potter fan, okay, and yeah. you talk about that, you're going to have some folks coming after you saying, well, then you don't support transgender people because J.K. Rowling's a transphobe. 
and 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 even though J.K. Rowling might not make any money off of the Universal Studios rides or any of the things, the merchandising. Well, but actually, I she think does, she does. She, she does still owns money. everything. Yeah, she owns everything. But even though you might not believe it, and it's not like J.K. Rowling's out there writing books talking about how horrible transgender people are. Although, unfortunately, there was one detective novel that I think she did where there's a transgender character in it that's not portrayed in the best light. You know, there's that stigma attached to it. Now, you will have some folks who go, well, how could you? How could you support that? How could you like that? If you, uh, if, How can you be an ally, you know, to transgender folks and still want to play Hogwarts Escape or whatever the newest damn game is? And that puts people within fandom at odds with each other. You know, because, and I, I love how you talked about this on, on last week's podcast about your own fandom and how there's certain things that you know no longer you no longer relate to them there are certain things that have been done like say with batman that mm-hmm. you know you're not crazy about the newer books or the newer comics or the newer shows yeah bat I, i've said this many times on the show uh when we did a, the batman day podcast last year i had nothing new to look at that inspired me but i have been deep in a batman since like spider-man has taken a, a backseat to batman but it's all nostalgia and then you have so then you have people in fandom who go that all that stuff that you liked before. If Bob Kane or whatever, you know, Bob someone... Kane is a piece of shit. I was going to say this. <laughs> I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, well, there we go. But I was letting you get to the. I was letting you go around and around and around, and I was just going to say Bob Kane. Bob Kane was the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> Bob Kane buried Bill Finger. Bill Finger. Well, in, people talk about that in all a gin-soaked yeah. grave. Yeah, they talk about that. You know, nobody liked Bob Kane. We've had, you know, um. Uh, Michelle Saleo, Dom Saleo's daughter, yeah. and uh, we've been trying to get Dom on the show forever, um, talks about how much he hated Stan Lee, <laughs> personally. Yes, yes. Like, there's always going to be people that that don't like you. It's like, um, I've been thinking this a lot about the Kelseys, the tra- Travis Kelsey, is um, uh, I don't care about football. And... I'm tired of looking at those two brothers with their beards because <laughs> one was on Always Sunny and was lame and one hosted Saturday Night Live and was lame and everybody boosted this guy up like it was his sweet 16. And I'm like, all right, these guys are way too famous because they're athletes that aren't good at being entertainers and people are saying they're amazing entertainers. Well, Travis Kelsey did have that cool uh, Indiana Jones style promo. for. Oh, I hated it. I liked it. I oh, it I hated funny. it. Although I liked it more for the, the cast member. Who he looked like his... somebody put the fedora on that juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anywho. But it, the thing is, I, you know, I, I get the point. I don't care. I don't spend a lot of time thinking of the Kelsey brothers. But I realize, oh, there's people that the Kelsey brothers have pissed off that are waiting to tell their story. There is nobody like maybe Tom Hanks, maybe Paul Rudd. Uh, that that doesn't somebody doesn't have a shitty story about. People have shitty stories about you and me. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, me definitely. And, but I, I will own up to him that I was shitty. I was being shitty. Yeah. There's so, times you're being yeah. shitty, and there's there's people yeah. that don't talk to me. At the very least, we <laughs> both have ex wives. <laughs> there are people that don't have good things to say about us. So if you if you spend enough time with anybody, like you will realize, okay, this guy's, and then it's, what's the line you want to draw? Right. You so, know, like, again, We Are the World, which, by the way, great, it's called uh, The Greatest Night in Pop, and it would be my greatest thing in the world, but I mentioned it twice. Um, we Are the World was a historical thing that helped millions of people, that shaped a decade 
And it was all done, you know, in one night. It was Quincy Jones writing that song within a week. And Lionel Richie and Michael doing their best to get everyone in that room to record that. And if if you're a Gen Xer and you were alive in 1985, you couldn't escape that song until Huey Lewis put out The Power of Love. <laughs> like, but in the center of that is Michael Jackson. Yeah. So it's like, do I hate We Are the World? Do I want We Are the World to go away? Because Michael Jackson was part of it? Or do or do I just go, you know, this was a great thing. I'm not going to pay attention to the guy that comes in and sings the chorus. Yeah. I won't listen to Bad. You know, I, I can't listen to Thriller. Ah, Thriller's the better album. I can't, I can't watch himself. You know? There, there's lines you cross. But I can't say that Bill Cosby wasn't one of the greatest... Comedians who ever lived. I can't say that Michael Jackson was one of the great, greatest pop singers that ever was, but I'm not going back there. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that everything they did was evil and tainted and garbage and horrible. Well, then you don't need to be on the internet, my friend, because that's- Where are we going to put the show then? (laughs) Then it's just two old men yelling at each other. Look, I have a plan. I am 51 years old. I'm thinking about retirement. My retirement is to have the condo next door to Howie Weingarten. And if you want, you can have the one next door to both of us. And we will, our wives will go away. Assuming I get married again. Uh, Our wives will go away. Same. And we will go in and watch shitty movies. And we will be, my goal is to be like Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. And just having, watching movies every night and making each other laugh. That is my plan. I don't need uh, it. I, I, without the internet, the podcast is already that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just sit, but sit out Literally, on the porch. You and Howie are the people that come on. <laughs> I am grateful to have a Michael Crawford every few months. <laughs> when Stephen Brown comes on, confetti flies in the studio. <laughs> <clears throat> You know the reason why people say, hey, how come every time they bring back a hero from the 80s, they're always sad and alone in an apartment like Dial of Destiny? Because that's what fucking happens. (sighs) That's why people say stay married, because that's the only other person that's going to be in the room. You think your high school friend is coming over every weekend? You think you're meeting the guys down at the local bar? You are now the guy at the bar no one talks to. I suddenly feel like I'm not in this room anymore. Like you're just yelling at a mirror. I'm yelling at the microphone. I I broke eye contact 90 seconds ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, not to revisit that, but I did have that moment, that dial of destiny moment. Again, listening to you um, and and your buddy talk about it. and, And I was like, yeah, there's something... I think this overall conversation right now, as we're having, is yeah. I need a title for this week's title podcast, this please. Podcast, is pretty much, you know, what are? Uh, see, I had it right there, and this cognac threw off my 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 um, train of thought. With Dial of Destiny, my fandom is with indie is unshaken because I just came to the ter- came to terms with that's where indie would be at this point. And I think it was being very faithful to the character. And, and, and I like that movie. That's the way I felt like about uh, No Time to Die. Right. 
Um, I, uh, Dana Gould, who is also a hero of mine that's been on this podcast, unfortunately is left leaning, mm. so he's not in this category. Hated No Time to Die. See, I like the fact that, that he's one, still yeah. talking about how much mm. he hates it, and I'm like. I want to see where a character's life goes. Yeah. I don't need him to do the same thing he was doing mm-hmm. 35 years ago. Uh, the thing I loved about that podcast when I was talking to Howie about it was he put it... Uh, he's one of those people that hates The Last Jedi. I think The Last Jedi is an interesting movie. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Whenever I see The Last Jedi, which admittedly is not often, uh, it's it's No Empire Strikes Back for rewatchability. But every time I see it, I go, Ryan Johnson really experimented here. Good for him. And then he went on to do Knives Out, which I love. But he crystallized it perfectly. It was like both Luke and Indy are in this like isolated old man, bitter place. But when the call to adventure comes, Indy jumps on it. Luke is dragged into it. And that's why he didn't like The Last Jedi. And that's a big part of what the problem I had with it. But after listening to your talk last week about how your own fandom is and how stories are what they are and sometimes it's not for you i was sitting there going huh because you remember i was one of, I, I i would come out and say i i hated last jedi just because of that very thing just like yeah. how i, I hated say. rise of skywalker but i'm not i didn't hate the last jedi See, i liked rise of skywalker because it kind of retconned the last jedi yeah, but it was to me. such a mess i it was it was and we could spend a podcast yeah. talking about this i felt like rise of skywalker all jj Abrams wanted to do was retcon last jedi mm-hmm. and then he had no idea what to do and he was supposed to end everything i was supposed to end and the you know what skywalker this, saga. this is my yeah. mantra you can put this on my headstone don't give jj a sequel <laughs> right he can set things up but he can't finish yeah because yeah. he does great greatest hits because uh i still think his 2009 star star trek is better than his force awakens yeah that yeah. movie's fantastic i can see that, I can see but that. man that second movie yeah but uh, i came to terms with again with my own fandom saying hey you know what it's not the end of the world if i don't like the way the story is told it's not the end of the world if something it went in a particular direction that i don't agree with I mean, I still have what I liked. They didn't take that away. Um, and and just like I say, it's not the end of the world if I find out later on that J.J. Abrams, you know, was kind of a dirtbag or whatever. If he, if he made movies I enjoyed. Well, Brian Singer made, started the X-Men the franchise X-Men, yeah. and, and made some really good movies. X2 is still one of the best movies. Yeah. X2, I feel like I could watch if I don't think about him. Usual Suspects, I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, because Usual Suspects is also has Kevin Spacey. Yeah, well, you, yeah, that's the problem there. Although Usual Suspects cheats too. It 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 sets up a premise in the beginning that it completely undoes at the end. So, we'll, we'll, okay, go into this because we'll never watch Usual Suspects ever again, as we okay. said. Usual Suspects starts with um, Gabriel Burns character, yeah, like um, on the boat, and it's gonna yeah, and he, he he's dying, the thing, yeah. right? And he's gonna die, and um, the um, the part the. Uh, Kaiser Sose, you know, takes a pee and puts out the fire so right. the boat doesn't blow up, right? And so then Gabriel Byrne knows, you know, it's the whole thing there. Or at least as the omniscient narrator, you see Kaiser Sose in the beginning, right? You know it's not Gabriel Byrne. Mm-hmm. Yet near the end, the whole Chaz Palminteri thing He's like, he's going through this whole thing. Oh, and this is what happened. This is what happened. So he's trying to make it seem like Kaiser Sose was Gabriel Byrne. We know Kaiser Sose isn't Gabriel Byrne because they showed it in the very beginning. Yeah, but that movie, it sounds bizarre to say, but that movie almost starts with a flashback. I feel like um, 
Usual Suspects and Chris McQuarrie wrote the Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. And as and uh, as far as I know, he's not a huge piece of shit. Uh, so I think we can like it for that. But I feel like that whole movie is an exercise of the unreliable narrator, which works because it's all coming from. Yeah, but yes, Kevin Spacey's but, character. Yes, but at the same time, that first yes, you're right. So he but is that trying to misdirect them. Yeah, but that very first scene though isn't part of Kevin Spacey's narration. It's something. There is no narrator in the beginning. We just see it. That is the only thing we know true, is but, actually true. True, but the the turn where you think Gabriel Byrne is Kaiser Sose, it's all Chaz Palminteri putting together the yes. clues that Kevin Spacey exactly. put on the table. So it is a misdirect. It is a misdirect, but I know it's a misdirect because I already know in the beginning of the movie. Mm. So it doesn't work for me is what I'm saying. I will say, though, with, with Chris McQuarrie, um, and to, to pull it in this direction, man, those I, I finally watched all the Mission Impossible movies. They're actually not bad. They're actually kind of fun. That's funny because I watched the Taken movies and they're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. But uh, I was like, I just watched uh, the Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, the last one, because it's on Peacock. You can just watch it. Yeah. And I, my girlfriend and I just sat down and we just watched all the Mission Impossible movies, one after another after another. Didn't Ron Moore and uh, uh, Brian Braga write one of them? I, I think they might have one of the yeah. early ones, one of the early sequels. But you can see, one. you can see that because Tom Cruise is a, a is a producer on them, and I like how he gives, he doesn't ignore the continuity. You know, he the each movie acknowledges what happened before, what happened before, what happened before. Even having certain character actors and characters from earlier um, movies come back, and I'm there going, and I was like going, man, I think this is what we wanted from the Indiana Jones movies. Mm. You know, we wanted Harrison Ford to come back and just, you know, reprise the character every few years as opposed to every like 10 years. Right. And I was sitting there. And, and, and that was not their intention either. But the, the quality of the Mission Impossible movies in the end, I'm like, these aren't bad, actually. They're kind of fun. So, again, back to my fandom. It, uh, Tom Cruise... The, from what I understand, has never had a horrible interaction with the public. Everyone who works with Tom I mean, Cruise says he's a great guy. Yeah, and he's he, whatever. They all say he's as intense as you think. And there's the whole Scientology. But that's there, where they come after yes. him. Yeah. yeah, that's where the problem comes in. So you sit there and like you go. Like Katie Holmes was a handmaid's tale. Right. Apparently. Right. So you're but then sit- again, we have no corrupt. We no. have no facts. Right. So, you, but you'll have people who say, "How can you watch the Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise?" But we tend to, you know. Well, if he makes box office, I mean, although the last Mission Impossible did about as well as Dial of Destiny, you know, yeah, it was expecting that it, make- w- it was the su- well we talked about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It was the summer failures until Barbie and Oppenheimer, right? And man, and man, I think it's this week um, that Oppenheimer is coming on Peacock. I've been waiting to see this movie. I saw it, but I it's, haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no. All right, it's okay. I, I maybe it was hyped up too much for me, but yeah. okay. But it's this week that Curb Your Enthusiasm comes back. That one I'll deal with, but yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, and by the way, I wanted to talk about this at the beginning of the podcast. You know what? Fuck it. This is my greatest thing in the world this week. Larry David attacked Elmo <laughs> <laughs> on I the heard, Today Show. I heard. I heard. You I can have see not the seen clip. You heard. can see the clip. He just grabs his face and then he walks off. And he goes, you had it coming, Elmo. <laughs> While Al Roker is like, what the hell? Al Roker's trying to do the weather. And the greatest, the, the the best part about that was later that night, he's on Seth Meyers. Same building. <laughs> and Seth's like, so what happened? He goes, 
Elmo just kept talking and talking, and I couldn't take it one more second. You know what? I'd do it again. And then I, and that's when I was like, I really am looking forward to this final season of Curb. Wait, so was this, does this take place on Curb, or was this? No, it took else? place in reality. Oh, wow. They, they, Al Roker was interviewing Larry David about the final season of Curb. Yeah. The same morning, they were interviewing Elmo and his father. Okay. About when Elmo tweeted, "How is everybody How's doing?" Everybody and he got doing? all these suicidal messages. Yes, people were. So, yeah. so Elmo was the first segment. Larry's sitting waiting for a segment, God. and Larry got up, walked over, and attacked Elmo. Man, man. And honestly, is there any better PR for Curb than Larry attacking the Elmo? The cynic in me wants to believe that he did that on purpose. Oh, I mean, like to promote. No, no, he absolutely did that. No, no. And that's not even the cynic in me. The comedian in me thinks that was an amazing move. (laughs) Well, it's not like little kids are going to watch Curb. Then little kids are not going to watch the Today Show. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say the best is um, Elmo's reaction. The thing about the Muppets that I love now, I read it in one article, is that when you get a job as a Muppeteer, they send you to improv. Oh, yeah. yeah. To, to learn how to interact because, you know, uh, Jim Henson and Frank Oz just had a natural rapport so they could mm. do improv. Yeah. But you're all sent to improv. So when uh, Elmo, so after he grabs Elmo, was Elmo walked away. Uh, Elmo's dad go, goes, you're not supposed to touch people when you're angry, Larry. And then Elmo goes, use your words. <laughs> <laughs> and then at one point, Elmo just looked at the camera and went, <laughs> And it's like, again, like Tom Taylor earlier in this podcast. Class act, Class Elmo. Act, yeah. Of course, the original Elmo was canceled, so it goes back to the <laughs> other theme. <laughs> All right, am I supposed to hate Elmo now because of that? No, because yeah. it's a new Elmo. It's a new Elmo. Am I supposed to hate Batman now? Bob Kane is dead. <sighs> well, anyway. I'm not supposed to hate Batman now. Zack Snyder's not even making those movies. <laughs> and yet Zack Snyder is a decent guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't like his movies. I don't, I, same. I don't, and I I did not like... Uh, uh, I like 300. 300 is the one movie of his that I liked. I th- and I liked the first I half felt hour like three of Watchmen. Ha- well, yeah, I yeah. felt like somebody made a Watchmen good for them, and I felt like 300 was good visually. It was like Sin City, where it was like, oh, you took this Frank Miller comic and yeah. you put it on a screen. Yeah. Good for you for doing that. And I never have to see it ever again. Yeah. Um, I just, I just hate that he had Batman running around killing people all the time. Yeah, well, but, Batman's murdery. Let's be honest. He killed people in, ba- in Batman '89. That, well, I have a problem with that too. Batman's supposed to walk up to the line. Yes, there are machine guns in the goddamn yeah. Batmobile. Yeah, and he blows up an entire factory with people in it. Yeah, I didn't like it. There weren't people in there. Were, uh-huh. It was two in the morning, yeah. and the Joker had taken it over. Oh yes, you don't there, see a single person in yeah, there. Yeah, there were no henchmen there, and of course, there was like it was the night shift. Because he's Batman. You expect Batman to show up at two in the afternoon? What is he, Adam West? Batman. Okay, and in Batman Returns, he blows up the clown. Yeah, he he does stick a bomb in in his belt. He straight up murdered a clown. And I remember being twenty years old with the girl that I lost my virginity to sitting next to me and going, "They shouldn't have made that decision." That was that was me when uh, when. when uh, Superman, as played by Henry Cavill, who was a great Superman, but did not get a great script. He's the Andrew Garfield of Superman. The Andrew Garfield of Superman um, uh, breaks Zod's neck. You know, oh, people were so mad. And um, 
again, we did a podcast about that. And I remember, uh, I didn't even go and because I'd heard bad things and I don't care enough about Superman and people were very, very upset. And that was the thing. And Zack Snyder, I think this is revisionist history, but lately Zack Snyder has been saying he wanted to show the arc that, oh, Batman Superman did murder and they learned how not to murder, but I didn't get to make that movie, which always comes down to like restore the Snyderverse. And it's like, yeah, res- restore these very expensive movies that underperform. That don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Correct. And, and but back to my overarching theme for today's conversation, which is, and my little brother is going to think I'm full of crap when I say this, but I've come to terms with it, you know? Uh, with Man of Steel, the movie that I just despised by the end of it, although had, again, solid first half hour. I loved the film up to that point. That lost me when Jonathan Kent walks into a tornado. Well, that's so, what, yeah. Right. So his son doesn't give away his secret identity. Who can move at super speed? Move at super speed. He, and- Smallville had three years where they weren't allowed to use a Superman costume, so they called him The Blur. <laughs> before Man of Steel yeah. was made. So... I mean, I've, I've come to terms with it. I'm like, you know what? It's uh, the art, the movie, not great, but I'm not going to be angry about it. I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, how can I? You know, I, I can't stand Man of Steel. Stop mentioning Man of Steel to me now. Get into a flame war with people on social media. Because that's all that happens now. I can tell when people are triggering. They're trying to trigger others. Talking about, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Just to get people to go on and just fight over it. Yeah, there was a fight uh, about Barbie because uh, Greta Gerwig wasn't nominated for Best Director, which I also think is stupid. The, the, the movie the movie was nominated for Best Picture. It's an incredible achievement. Nominate the director. But you know what? I've said that about Martin Scorsese five different yeah, times. There's been so many times that the Best Picture didn't get, the director didn't get nominated. Uh, yeah, and the same thing with Margot Robbie. She's been nominated in the past. And was it, she nominated in the past? What was she nominated for? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Really? I didn't yeah. think she had a big enough part in that. But then, wow. but here's the thing. What in the end, what everyone is arguing is that the the movie based on a toy didn't get the director nominated. Again, you know, you look at the I am astounded at how suddenly all the things that we criticized Barbie for for the longest time, how Barbie is not feminist, Barbie has is giving young women mm-hmm. all these unrealistic, you know, expectations about their physical appearances and so on. Now it's something to be celebrated. Hell, I remember for the longest time when you said, how dare you make things pink and market them to young girls? They should be able to have any color they want. Why should Barbie only be for girls? Why can't, you know, why do, why, why can't they play with the Star Wars toys too? And I'm like, I agreed. And yet now... Well, Barbie is this big, this feminist icon. People are fighting over fucking pink Stanley mugs. You know, the goal, the uh, the only thing about those mugs is that they're pink. That's it. You can still. And they're they're huge. That was a Saturday Night Live sketch last week. By the way, they knew they were calling that product the Stanley Cup. They knew that, right? Although it's well, it's a mug technically, but yeah, yeah. but it's a big cup. The big cup, yeah. But But it's like, but those things have been around forever. The people with no hockey tie-in? This is yeah. why Popeye's chicken drives me out of my fucking mind. Because <laughs> they time don't I have it. the real Popeye. Yeah. 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 And 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 they tried to say, oh no, we named it after Gene Hackman's character in, in the, the French, French Connection. Connection. Who did they name the real guy after? He was called Popeye Doyle because he looked like Popeye. I remember going to the first uh, early Popeyes in the beginning. And going into one, it was, I want to say it was on the south side of Chicago, and they had 
Popeye on the wall. Thank God, because I thought this yeah. was a Kazam moment no, in my was, head. They had actual Popeye up there. I don't know if it was just the local franchise decided to put Popeye. Oh up no, on the you walls. can't do that with yeah. your franchise. Uh, That's gotta was, be. I remember seeing wide. Popeye going, oh, "Okay, doll." So this is Popeye's chicken, and the fact that they never go back to that. I mean, let's be honest; they they should because there is your brand. You know, you can. Yeah. Mar- Although I, I, I will say now, Popeye's not really remembered. No, I mean, you know, when we were growing up, it was on. When we were growing up, he was already sixty years old, yeah. but it was in constant reruns, and Robin Williams made a movie. Right. And 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 it would be it would make more sense that it to be a, a seafood place like Long John Silver's. That's another thing that makes me annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the whole. We may th- have to go to Popeyes. Things now. that I, I'm just us. saying that out loud. There we go. Yeah, yeah. The but going back to like uh, the turns that a character makes that makes you angry. I, I just, just had this thought when you were talking about it. It's kind of like bands. Every band that's around long enough, you know, if you're not like a Kurt Cobain or a Jimi Hendrix and you die right away, every band that you're super into, there's albums you hate. Yeah. And yeah. you go, oh, man, you know, Technical Ecstasy by Black Sabbath. I ain't putting that on. Mm-hmm. But does that mean I hate Black Sabbath now? No, I no. just don't listen to that record. You know, like Dirty Work by the Rolling Stones. You know, you and you know what? People don't talk about them. They like, get forgotten. Yeah, they 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 only remember the great stuff. Oh you know, my god! Like yeah, the so the band I'm playing in now, I mentioned probably mentioned a couple of times before, but um, I'm playing in a band that does all um, grunge, and we focus a lot on Nirvana and Green Day and Weezer. Now I know Nirvana inside now, but with Green Day and Weezer, I'm listening to them a little closer because. Um, because I'm playing their music. And by the way, the new Green Day album is a fantastic. It's like, eventually you're going to say there were three great Green Day albums. It's that good. So I've been listening to it a lot. But with Green Day and with Weezer, because Weezer for a while was like Prince where they were putting out way too many albums. Uh, there's so many unlistenable records. Mm-hmm. It's like I started, uh, uh, Green Day did Uno Dos Tres, they did that uh, Kiss thing where they put out like three albums, one for each of them mm-hmm. in succession. I couldn't get through the first one. They were awful. <laughs> and that was after American Idiot. So, you know, but does that mean I hate Green Day now? No, Saviors is a great record. Dilemma spoke to me in a way that I haven't heard since Wake Me When September Ends. But they got they have pieces of garbage that I'm not going to listen to. You know, be a Beatle fan. Listen to every Paul McCartney record. I dare you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so we think I that- like wings. Come on. I'm not talking about wings. <laughs> I'm talking about records you don't remember That's came out. Pretty much. I'm talking about pipes of peace. Wow. Wow. That's a good point. All right. Just like uh, just like I can ignore every alien movie after aliens too. After Aliens, yeah, yeah. I can ignore it. I've successfully ignored every Ghostbusters movie after Ghostbusters. <laughs> There's a trailer for Frozen Empire that I did not watch. Yeah, it's like it's going back. I'm, I'm there. I'm going to probably br- bring this to this to the to a close by saying. And it, at the time of this recording, we just had the big Groundhog's Day celebration. It's in, in Chicago. Woodstock, and they, uh, this they, past weekend. Bill Murray was there. They unveiled a bust of Harold Ramis Harold at Navy Ramis. Pier, which I thought was really touching. Very touching and a shame 
the irony being that it was on the it was on the, during the filming of Groundhog Day that Bill Murray and Harold Ramis had their huge falling out. They never spoke to each other for years afterwards until Harold Ramis was on his deathbed. Yeah, and I was reading about that. We put on Groundhog Day last night, and uh, we ended up reading a lot about like how bad it got mm-hmm. and how awful Bill Murray was. And it, well, actually, when you were talking about people like Vince McMahon and stuff, and we were saying like. You know, this is the the art the artist. And I remember having this argument in high school, you know, because people were because people said John Lennon was very difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. Hell, Groucho Marx was difficult to mm-hmm. deal with. But does that mean I don't like their stuff? And I started thinking about it, like how Bill Murray behaved on set of Groundhog Day. He was I've heard he was tough. He was and and it got to the point where I mean, <clears throat> Bill Murray already had uh, reputation for that sort of thing. Yeah, but, but he and Howard Ramis were best friends. Howard yeah. Ramis was directing Groundhog Day. Yeah, and it, uh, there was it was it uh, Ghostbusters. They were saying the same thing. They weren't sure if Bill was going to show up to the set on a particular yeah. day. So, so yes, and they were Bill pre- was a last minute replacement. How Bill was Howard Ramis's idea because Dan wrote it for John Belushi. Yep, yep. Although the, I don't think the movies would have been what they were if it was John Belushi no. in the lead. It was, I mean, Bill Murray did make that movie. Yeah, every quotable line from Ghostbusters yeah. is a Bill Murray line. Yeah, even if I mean, it wasn't. I think uh, uh, I think Eddie Murphy was even supposed to be in it. But yeah, Eddie yeah. Murphy was supposed to be the Winston role. Winston role. There was a, a period of Eddie Murphy where uh, where Paramount. Paramount kind of had a contract with Eddie Murphy and he kept wanting to do franchise films and they kept telling him no because it would cannibalize the audience. Bill Murray's, um, sorry, uh, Eddie Murphy is supposed to be in Star Trek Four. Yeah. That part, the the Catherine Hicks part was written for Eddie Murphy. That would have been cool. Yeah, but yeah. instead they were like, no, make the golden child and then we'll have two movies people go to. And people people had one movie they went to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not to... Not, not to poo-poo that but at the same time remember uh richard Pryor did superman 3 and that that was yeah supposed, he was supposed to carry that and that didn't happen well if you uh listen to conan's podcast the thing that hurts me the most in the le- within uh last year was that um the only reason the hans and franz movie never got made was because the last action hero bombed uh, and and arnold went no more comedies because there is i think i talked about this before but uh, on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, he brought together Robert Smigel, Dana Carvey, and Kevin Nealon to read the script. And it's one of the funniest things I've mm-hmm. ever heard. Mm-hmm. It's like it would have been the SNL movie to end SNL movies. It was written by Robert Smigel and Conan O'Brien. Bigger than Wayne's World. Yeah, I think it would have. Wayne's World was huge. Wayne's World was huge, but you know something? I watched it again last week. Doesn't hold up. Doesn't? No. I haven't seen it in a while. No, it's kind of like the worst excesses of Mike Myers and the best stuff of Wayne's World um, is you realize he's going to do it better in Austin Powers. And also another one where um, I've been hearing a lot lately about Mike Myers. That Uh, he's been a, yeah. Well, they said on Wayne's World he tried to cut anyone else's joke. Well, there was a, and he was always resentful of Dana Carvey being in it because that was Lauren Michaels' idea. Right, and Dana Carvey himself. That, that it wasn't until recently that they they really came to reconcile yeah. with each other. Well, Dana was mad at Mike because uh, apparently his uh, Lauren Michaels impression is what Mike Myers is doing as Doctor Evil. Yeah, yeah. That's the Lauren Michaels that Dana Carvey would do in the hallways. Yep, yep. So, yeah. so there you go. You so I feel like it's an age old story. That, that's what this podcast is about. Can you divide the art from the artist? If you can't, you have no art. It's like Bill Hicks said. You know, if you're against drugs, take all your best records and burn them. Yeah. 
I mean, and and today's social media, we have to also be realistic and say, there's a lot of stuff we know about the artists now that we didn't know then. Yeah, you know, there's we, too much. There's a lot at that that um, you know uh, the the stuff that now we now know about Pablo Picasso. The stuff that we've learned, you know, hell, learned about Babe Ruth. Well, this, yeah, the this, this stuff that used to be rumors. Yeah. Things we, we knew about, like Fatty Arbuckle, you know, mm. like a hundred years ago. Like people were like, eh, I don't know, it's yeah. a rumor. That would have been all over social media in like two hours. Yeah. But now. Danny Kay. I've never heard a good story about Danny Kay. Yeah, who I who I admired terribly. I mean. Oh, Hans Christian I mean, Anderson yeah. was gospel in my house when I was a little kid. Um, And then, uh, so then. Uh, but then I would say whether you're an art or artist or or the CEO of a huge entertainment conglomerate, don't be such a shitty human being that it comes out in a lawsuit years later. Yeah, that, well, that, where that where people aren't going to help but find out everything you did. That's extreme. The other extreme, uh, the other position I'll take is uh, most people are shitty. There are there are not that many people that are great, and. Uh, if you love something, you got to take the shitty with the good. I mean, you know what? Every movie, besides Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> has a flaw that you just forgive. You know, Michael Keaton murders a lot of guys in the Jim Burton <laughs> Batman movie. And I have found, we were talking right before this went on, there's a company called Mars Toys. They are not licensed. So uh, you can't find them on major retails, but they have the best Jack Nicholson uh, 12-inch figure I've ever seen. And I'm going to have to like buy it from China on eBay to get it. And when I, but when I saw it, I realized, oh my God, that rings that nostalgia bell in me. Like I've been saying the, the Tim Burton Batman has this special place in my heart that uh modern Batman doesn't have. And you know, like uh I've heard a lot of stories about Michael Keaton over the years. <laughs> you know, I've heard a lot of stories about Jack Nicholson over the years. Um, I've heard those stories about Helena Bonham Carter. But she's not in any of those. She's just no. He met her yeah, with later. Planet of the Apes. Yeah, later on. <laughs> he wasn't even married to uh, the vampire from Ed Wood yet. I think he was a single guy when he yeah. made Tim Burton. It shows. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, if you love it, you love it, you know, and you forgive its flaws. And at the end of the day, you don't personally know these people. Hell, I've had friends that I didn't talk to for decades. You know, I have friends that I that I don't talk to as much as I used to when we were really close. But does that mean I hate them now? No. You know, to so take you can take the positive away. And at especially with entertainment, at the end of the day, you know, you you can hate Bob Kane as much as I hate Bob Kane. Because <laughs> man, I side with Bill Finger, the writer who drank himself to death and was never recognized. Over the guy who couldn't draw and put his name on everything, who wanted to create Birdman, <laughs> which which was would only be successfully done by Adult Swim and Michael Keaton later. It's actually a really good movie. Yeah. It is a really good movie. Really yeah. Good movie. Uh, also, about a piece of shit, Ed Norton in Birdman is a complete piece of shit. Who's a great actor in that movie? But, but he but he even talks about that in 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 the the character he plays in Birdman is the character that he knows everyone believes him to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, just... so that's the thing is, uh, can, can you love a piece of art and not love the artist? I think you can, because it's all about what it means to you. <sighs> all right. Where can we find you? On that sigh. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I'll tell you, the uh, whole this whole conversation's gone full circle, and uh, and I want to reflect on me too. You know, I hope people understand out there that you know. Yeah, so let's follow you on social media and see where you can reflect on you. It's all about you right now. Yeah, tell me what a shitty guy I am. Yes, of course. Always on the socials at Elliot Serrano. Two L's, two T's, and two R's. Um, I'm, you're not going to find me on Twitter, though. Twitter is a cesspool of it's a, it's it's, a, uh, it's the most isolated. It's a it's a it's a hive of scum. It's and a villainy. billionaire's playground. Really, I don't care. But add to that um, that the I'm still posting also on the top men. Uh, indie podcast Instagram where suddenly the picture of the matchbox car, Indiana Jones matchbox car, is getting all this traction. So I don't know why, but people have been talking about it. And the MCU review, which we do hope to start up again soon, as uh, soon as we get everyone's um lives back together. Uh Dave Pinto, our our just had a baby. Just had a baby, yeah. So congratulations to Dave and Elise on the birth and, of their uh, child. Yeah, and my first child killed my stand-up career. So babies take a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave will probably might, will try to join us when he can, but he's got a newborn. Tom Jetner, our mixologist, has already has drinks um, in in the shoot. He has drink recipes that he wants to share with us for the MCU review. So uh, be and on the lookout for that. Now that I finished the brandy, I really want those recipes. Uh, I, yeah, I'm there. And you, if you are not currently subscribed to the show, and you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts, uh, please do. Uh, you can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Comics. We post all the news as fit to geek. I'm not, not on my book on Instagram. I rarely post because I'm a talker, not a visual picture taker. Uh, so I used to like Twitter because I used to write jokes. I wrote, I've written two good jokes on my Facebook page this week and I got uh, like six, seven laughs from family members, <laughs> but they were good jokes. Uh, that's what I used to do on Twitter. I'm, I am proud to say I've deactivated my Twitter account. Well, I'm you, on threads, but it seems like you need to do Instagram. Threads reels. is George Takei and Mike Drucker. And yeah. I love those guys, but it's, it's, yeah. it hasn't gotten rolling yet. You got to do some uh, Instagram or Facebook reels of yourself doing crowd work. You know, do a little crowd work there. That's I have to find a it. crowd. <laughs> it's you and me. Do, some... do Marvel Legends count as a crowd? Because <laughs> if so, we are we have a packed goddamn house in the studio. Either way, we'll talk to you next week.